Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, this is Jeremy Evans, California sports lawyer with the Believe Podcast Network on the Believe in Sports Law with Jeremy Evans show. And this is our third podcast that we're doing. And uh, happy to be back with you. Today, our topic is on to patch or not to patch. Sort of a misleading title, depending on what you're talking about. No, we're not talking about nicotine today. We're talking about the idea that Major League Baseball is discussing about putting an additional patch on uh, their uniforms, specifically as a brand partnership, or maybe what's more traditionally known as a sponsorship. So sort of an interesting thing that has popped up. Uh, a lot of traditionalists uh, have sort of, uh, or whether they do it or not, we'll sort of see. But um, you know, generally the idea is that sort of keep the uniforms clean and to sort of see how that plays out. One interesting sort of part of this is that Nike is going to be the official uniform provider for Major League Baseball and their teams. I believe it starts next year, and it's a 10-year deal. So in the left upper-hand corner of the uniform uh, of a Major League Baseball player, you would see like the Nike swoosh on the upper left-hand side. And what the sort of discussion is going forward is whether those patches should be extended to the right, uh, the right-hand side of the chest or possibly even the shoulder, where we might normally see like a dedication to you know, let's say like a, release, a recently deceased broadcaster or somebody who uh, has recently passed away. Example, this might be Tyler Skaggs with the uh, uh, Anaheim Angels and the patch that they have for him. I believe it's a number 46 on the uh, left uh, left sleeve. So, but ultimately the difference here is, is that these brand partnerships bring in money. So as an example, in the National Basketball Association, it was this past year that all uh, teams in the league were allowed to add a patch to uh, to their uniforms. And ultimately, that led to, let's say, a, a profit of about 5 to $20 million of revenue per team. Uh, and that patch is about 2.5 inches or smaller. So, for example, like the Boston Celtics had the... Um, uniform sponsor up in the left top left hand side and that's also something that's going to be implemented here I believe this next season and then on the right hand side they had uh, GE and then other teams were different so like for example the Lakers had the uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation so again those are uh, some big opportunities for bringing in additional funds particularly five to uh, twenty million dollars now, in terms of a scale of measuring a visibility of brand partnerships on uniforms, traditionally it's sort of if you were to rank them in terms of visibility, number one would be NASCAR. I think that's the obvious example. Um, even when they're doing NASCAR or really racing in general, but when they're doing uh, their post sort of race interviews or even uh, with the uh, uniform that they wear, uh, with the suit that basically they wear in the car, it's it's cluttered with patches the their cars that they drive are cluttered with patches and of course in their post interviews it's always i want to thank this sponsor this sponsor this sponsor and i think that's a nature of 
that specific industry because ultimately those race car drivers are not playing for a traditional team in the sense that the team is paying them uh, a salary per year. Now teams may pay drivers, but those teams are getting money from sponsors. And so it's a little bit different. Uh, golf is pretty much similar. It'd probably be number two ranking. Soccer is number three. Basketball is uh, number four. And then I would put the NFL, the NHL, and Major League Baseball next in line in terms of speaking of American sports. And with golf, you know, this is typical too. You know, uh, the Open Championship uh, was in Ireland this past weekend. And it's sort of interesting that, uh, you know, you look at the hats and they've got the sponsorship on the hat and they've got sponsorships on their, uh, their shirts. They're wearing certain shoes. They're wearing certain watches and that sort of thing. And in that sort of golf context, there's a little bit more difference um, in terms of post-interview type how do you promote brands it's a little more uh if i could use the word distinguished um but not to sort of say that nascar is not a distinguished sport but it's just um it's just a different way of uh, pronouncing the sponsorship soccer probably is one of the leading sports particularly with regard to in terms of the major team sports out of basketball nhl major league baseball football they've been the most sort of vocal about doing these visibility sponsorships. So you're more likely to see, let's say, a Chevy logo on the front or whatever it may be. So MLS has definitely taken a lead there, and it's pretty much the same in the international scene as well. Basketball is probably one of the first major sports out of uh, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and the NFL to add that second sponsorship to the actual jersey. Now, of course, baseball for the longest time, as as venues have, have put sponsorship um, logos inside of their venues. I remember years ago, you'd be in Dodger Stadium. They've cleaned it up a little bit, but you'd look at the outfield wall, and it was literally every single diameter of the outfield wall was filled with a patch or a sponsorship or advertisement. And this makes sense. You know, you, the teams want to make additional funds, and additional money, additional revenue, and this is a way to do it. So uh, football and NHL and baseball have really kind of held off from this patch sponsorship type thing. Of course, the uniform sponsorship is a little bit different. Baseball has, for the longest time, has had Majestic, and now they're moving to Nike. Uh, That was before Under Armour actually tried and actually had a deal with Major League Baseball, but I think there was an issue with production. So they ended up going with Nike. But um, baseball definitely has led the caboose, if you could put it that way, of the train or the wagon uh, being led by the horses of the other leagues, I guess, in terms of uh, them sort of keeping the uniforms pure. There's a big debate about this in terms of whether the uniform should keep that way or whether there should be another opportunity to make some money. As I mentioned earlier, these patches, at least looking at the NBA as a standpoint, bring in 5 to $20 million of revenue per teams, uh, per team. So... What's interesting about this is that, you know, baseball has 162 games in a season. So the potential here is that those sponsorships actually might be worth more dollars. And so we'll sort of see how that plays out. But it's sort of an important point to note with regard to these patch sponsorships. And I think baseball is being uh, pretty wise here, at least when looking at the bottom bottom line, because 
where we've seen attendance drop in Major League Baseball parks this season, and really in general for a lot of sports, a lot of professional sports, it's really the advent of people being able to watch more from home, people being able to stream from their phones, uh, the expense of going to a game. And so ultimately it's something that I think uh, teams should be looking at in terms of bringing in additional revenue. And of course, when you're talking about increased viewership from home or a phone or a tablet, streaming it or whatever it may be, a traditional broadcast partner, this is a great way for sponsors to highlight their brands and for teams to capitalize on that. So where do the leagues go from here? Uh, I think soccer in the United States already models Europe for the most part uh, with across the chess marketing. I think uh, it's unlikely that Major League Baseball will follow the Korean and Japanese baseball leagues, specifically where you have literally corporate sponsors as the owners of the team. You know, So for example, you might have the Hyundai Bears or something like this. I remember going to a, a baseball game in Korea and having that experience and, and walking in uh, to the ballpark and, and seeing the corporate sponsors everywhere. So it's, it's just sort of a different model. Um, but again, the question always comes down to revenue sources. Where is the money coming from? Now, uh, baseball and other sports leagues and teams in America take in significant revenue, at least currently from television and streaming contracts, merchandise and venue sponsorships. So professional sports franchise sort of foray into esports teams, international development, sports betting will only bring in additional income. So as long as those revenues are supplying the cost, salaries, and profit of these sports franchises and leagues, the sponsorship avenue via the patch, I, I believe, will be held back, specifically in the NFL, the NHL, and Major League Baseball. Uh, and I think probably the NBA, it's probably as far as it will go with the two patches on the, on the right and upper left, upper left and upper right of the chest of the, of the player on the uniform. So I think the NFL, the NHL, and baseball will probably, that will probably be the extent of it. Now, of course, if the situation comes down to uh, revenues begin to slip from many of those other sources, television, esports, international development, um, sports betting, then of course I think you might see more sponsorships come in. Now it is interesting that Major League Soccer does the across the chest um, sports marketing or sports branding uh, because in terms of if you're looking at values of teams, at least currently, I think this will change in the future, possibly near future, values of teams, it's football uh, is generally number one, basketball is up there, usually one or two, at least more currently, baseball is up there, and then NHL and MLS usually uh, at the bottom of that sort of franchise sort of value list. So, and that means they're bringing in less dollars from television or whatever it may be. And traditionally, NHL and MLS contracts are lesser in value than, let's say, Major League Baseball, NFL, or the NBA. So ultimately, these teams have to find a way to bring in revenue. It's just a it's just a fact of life, a fact of business. So that's why they do that. And of course, the fans, when looking at an international level, uh, particularly uh, with soccer, they're, if, like for example, you look at international development of some of these leagues and teams, those teams and leagues overseas, uh, not the American sort of uh, teams and leagues, but when they play overseas, you can see 
those brand partnerships increase. This recently just happened with the New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox and the London MLB series that they played there. There was a lot more brand partnerships. There was uh, just a lot more visibility of that. So there was sort of increased patching, uh, if you will. And that makes sense because the populace overseas is used to that type of exposure, particularly in Asia and particularly in Europe. It's just something that is uh, very common. So how might this be tested out in the near future? I think ultimately we're going to see probably tested in minor league baseball and particularly maybe even in minor league hockey. And of course with football, they don't really have a minor league uh, other than really uh, the NCAA and drafting from, from those ranks. But I think we might see college experiment with this a little bit more as well. Uh, but again, sort of the school brand I think is very important there too. So we'll see how that plays out. But I think minor league baseball could see this very easily tested, just like they tested time clocks, uh, virtual umpires, and pursuits to speed up the game. So that's sort of something to keep our eyes on. Now, I think another aspect to this is sort of the moral limits that will come on sponsors. You know, for the longest time, you weren't allowed to sponsor with, you know, alcohol or betting brands, but I think that's something that has changed, will continue to change. But I think as with these uniforms go, especially where you're talking about you have a broadcast partner, you're going to see limits on sponsors for alcohol and betting, particularly on uniforms. I think sort of the approach that I had come up with and been discussing is sort of, I think, small and classy. It's probably the best way to go about this. You know, keep the patches small, keep them, you know, to sort of classy brands. And not to say that the alcohol and betting brands are not classy. It's just something about what is kid-friendly and what should be limited and how should we be presenting the brands to uh, the greater population. So uh, going forward, it, it has uh, always been a testing environment with regard to uniforms and sponsorships. I think it will continue to be a testy one. And so we'll see how that plays out. And uh, a little bit different today, I wanted to add a couple, a few other topics that uh, I think are interesting in the entertainment media sports space uh, that's been going on. And uh, one is, is that uh, over the weekend, Disney had... Uh, Disney Studios had released uh, The Lion King, and they broke a bunch of records. Uh, one was with regard to uh, an opening weekend for Lion King. The next was that the Avengers Endgame surpassed Avatar as the highest grossing film of all time, uh, obviously not adjusted for inflation. And then um, Netflix, uh, in a significant move, broke, broke ranks and signed a deal with SAG-AFTRA, the union for uh, basically stage actors, and uh, some other folks are grouped into that. And I also did a webinar on uh, esports and the differences been between um, entertainment and sports deal making that you might want to check out. But out of sort of those particular topics, it's very significant with Netflix, uh, the fact that they broke ranks with the other traditional studios. Um, this is sort of why I really like Netflix. I think Netflix really kind of goes out and just does things, kind of like Nike, just do it. But uh, they have essentially just gone out there and just said, hey, we're going to do this, and so be it You know what the Academy thinks, because ultimately the Academy is still signed with these other uh, studios, so we'll sort of see how that plays out. With Disney, it's, it's just interesting about the consolidation of power through mergers and acquisitions and the content and how they're influencing minds. And uh, it's something that I definitely think we need to keep our eye on as a collective uh, in our culture and um, – 
and ultimately to uh, make sure that we have other avenues to w- in, in terms of consuming content. But Disney is definitely the biggest uh, player in the game right now. So, and then of course, I mentioned the esports thing. So, just some interesting parts in the news, and uh, would encourage you to check out that esports thing uh, that I did last week. And I uh, hope you've enjoyed uh, this week's show, this week's podcast on Believe in Sports Law with Jeremy Evans with the Believe Podcast Network. And uh, look forward to being uh, back next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.